Welcome to Chicago West Sunday Sermons, where we encourage with the gospel of Jesus Christ, equip within Christ-centered community, and engage with good works. Morning, Chicago West. Morning. I have the distinct pleasure of uh, bringing up uh, our pastor, uh, just bringing the message, Pastor Mo. Uh, I've had the privilege and honor of uh, Knowing Mo for over 16 years, so I was able to serve under him for nine years before uh, coming to Chicago West. Uh, so, thank you for your leadership there, and Susan, uh, can you come on up, uh, Mo, and get ready and uh, to bring the word for us today. So, Mo is the the pastor of uh, City Line. He's the lead pastor. They're a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church uh, located in Niles, uh, and like I said, I've been knowing this man and his wife uh, have been a blessing to our family for, for many years, so many occasions. So uh, thank you for that, Mo, and it's an honor and privilege to, to have you bring the word today. Right. Let me uh, just pray for you. Yes. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I just thank you for, for Mo and his family, Lord, and the blessing that he is to, uh, to my family, Lord, but even more so, Lord, blessing that he is to your church, Father. So, Lord, I just ask that you use him, Lord. Guide him. Let him be your messenger, Father. Lord, let the words that he bring and speak, Lord, meditate our hearts, Father. That we won't just be here but doers, Father. That his message that we'll be able to apply it to our day-to-day life, Father. That in all that we do, Father, you will be glorified. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Man, it's so good to be with you all. You know, uh, I've known uh, your senior pastor, John, for many years, but I actually known Kent uh, from even before that. When I started at the church that I was with that became uh, this independent church, City Line, uh, I was introduced to Kent, and uh, he took me down to Albany Park, some of the ministry outreach that uh, Harvest Bible Chapel was doing there. And so I got to meet him, and it was probably two or three months before I was actually hired uh, as the campus pastor of the church that is now an independent church there. And uh, John, man, he has been such a blessing. He was uh, the campus pastor at Harvest Cathedral uh, for a while, and we um, have become really close over the years. Uh, I know he was uh, very instrumental in helping me get through some difficult times when we were going through some difficult seasons uh, through Harvest, uh, some challenging times, and I'm grateful for this brother. You know, he and Danielle are getting an opportunity for some rest. Uh, I'm uh, well aware uh, Pastor Kent called me and let me know a little bit about what's going on, and he asked if I would come and preach the word, and I said yes right away. I, I didn't know when. You know, this is the ministry kickoff season for us as well. It's hard for me to be away from my church family, uh, but I wanted to be here and uh, really honor your pastor, and he is uh, such a gift uh, to the church here in Chicago, but also to me personally. And so I just want you to know that um, their impact, it goes even beyond uh, what you're seeing right here. And uh, they're a real blessing to me. Well, let me uh, start here. Uh, sometimes we do different things in our services. I don't know what it's like here. I, I, I really look forward to you uh, communicating a little bit with me. You know, my church is a little bit more subdued, and I can see that uh, you all are willing to respond and participate. There you go. This is good. This is good. Maybe some of you can come down to my church on a weekend, and you could just seed it a little bit, so it'll be a little more response, because I really love uh, this idea of call and response. So today, we're going to play a game to start. 
And this game is called Name That Tune. You guys ever heard that game before? It's a TV show. You never heard the, uh, the game show Name That Tune. What happens is you're going to hear a song played, and then I want you, if you know the title of the song, that's what I want, the title, and there's a bonus, if you know the group that made this song popular, I want you to raise your hand, all right? So first hand up is going to get an opportunity to say what it is. Are you ready to name that tune? Go ahead, you can play it. All right, all right, stop for a second. All right, stop for a second. Pause, pause. Pause it, pause it before it goes. Pause, there we go. All right, Mike, right? Well, go ahead, name that tune. All right, there you go. Mike, um, I, I don't know if you're dating yourself. I don't know, you know. I grew up hearing this song. Uh, let's play the rest of it, and if you know it, you can sing along. Come on. Come on. All right, you can cut that. There you go. Turn, turn, turn by the birds. Now, I heard that song growing up. I think it was made popular in the 1960s. I was born in 1971. And my family would always play the radio, my older brother and sister. And so I heard all these songs growing up. And I was in church one day, you know, probably eight years old. And I'm sitting there not paying attention like a lot of eight-year-olds don't do in church. And uh, I heard them start to read the words of this song. And I turned to my sister. I said, they're reading the song. And she said, that's in the Bible. It is Ecclesiastes chapter three, of course. And um, all of us have been through seasons, right? The reason why they made this song is because it really struck a chord into the hearts and the minds, imaginations of the people because the Bible has been speaking about the fact that we are created for seasons. There's seasons for everything. This past month, we had the opportunity to go to the East Coast to Virginia for a wedding. And this wedding was very special for us. It wasn't a family wedding, but it might as well have been. This family is so close to us. As a matter of fact, we were in uh, the weddings of these other people. We attended them 27 years ago. And then now our kids are getting married. And so we got to go and be a part of this, right? You talk about seasons. It was like a big reunion where probably five or six of us couples who were at each other's weddings 27 years earlier were now celebrating the wedding of the next generation. That'll make you feel old really fast, right? But it's great because there is a season for everything. Uh, when you hear even that word, this is something that we use to describe it, right? People say it. And now after hearing it this week, you're going to be in a business meeting at your work and they're going to say, yeah, it's a rough season this quarter. And you're going to be thinking about it because this is the language of our culture. It is the language of the world that we talk about seasons and the seasonality of it. As you look back, there are four seasons that we will go through. And those four seasons are multiplied by years and decades. There's a woman in my church. She's 93 years old. She has had nine decades of seasons of years, right? Spring, summer, fall, 
winter. There are seasons that are part of the rhythm of our life. Right now, we're going through a season. My oldest son is going to be moving out to the East Coast, to Virginia. I left the D.C. area and moved over here. Now he's returning the favor to me, and he's leaving, and so it is a season. My 18-year-old is finished with high school, and now she is thinking about what's next for her, and so it is a season. You understand this language because we use this language regularly. Today, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 3. Ecclesiastes 3, our church, even right now, we're going through a a preaching series that's called Seasons, and it's based on Ecclesiastes 3. And the title of the message today is A Season for Everything for God. There is a season for everything for God. In chapter 1, we're not going to spend a lot of time in chapter 1, but in chapter 1, we see that the author of this is the preacher, the son of David, king of Jerusalem. We don't know for sure. He never mentions his name, but this has been attributed to Solomon who is said to be the wisest man who ever lived. And so Solomon, he wrote this, I would agree with that. And as Solomon is trying to figure out life, even with all his wisdom, he's asking these questions because he feels like it's just vanity. We work and we live, and then what's going to happen? We're just going to die. And so many people in the world live with this idea where life is just vain. Why are we doing what we're doing? And he's asking these questions in chapter 1 and chapter 2. But chapter 3, he gets really honest, and we start to see that God is involved in all of the seasons. There's a season for God, a season for everything for God. Let's just read together. I know we heard it uh, sung, but why don't you um, hear the word of the Lord? Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says this, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate a time for war, and a time for peace. First principle here about seasons for us from the text. If you're taking notes, this, consider seasons for everything are ordained by God. Seasons for everything are ordained by God. Right here in this list, we see from birth to death, the author is stressing that there is a time for everything for God. The seasonality of it in the cosmic universe that we see the sun is there and the earth is rotating around, spinning around it and then rotating as it goes. And as it does, it makes these seasons of time. Seasons of a day, there is night and day, there is heat and cold. Seasons of the year where we plant and where we harvest, there's seasons for everything. I met Autumn in the back there and she was going through my slides. There is a season autumn and in autumn, unfortunately, there is allergies and I feel it right now in this season. My eyes were burning as I woke up and I came here to Chicago because of the seasons of life. This is the way things are. There is a season 
And we understand it right here. I know some people don't like being here in Chicago because there are four seasons. We get two weeks of spring, and then uh, we get this hot summer. We get the winter, which we don't like, and then there is autumn. And you're like, I'm done with the winter months here. But listen, people don't understand this all over the world. There's places where they don't have seasons like this. Right now, there's a pastor preaching in San Diego from the same pastor. He said, I don't even know what they're talking about. I had to look in a commentary. I had to watch a preacher from Chicago talk about it because we don't have seasons there. It's just always hot. Those poor people in San Diego, that'd be nice for a time, but they don't understand what we go through because when it is cold and you're shoveling that car out, you're looking forward to the next season. You're looking forward to when it is going to be thawed and when the sun is going to shine and when we can go out to the park. See, God has created seasons, and we experience it here in Chicago, don't we? Some of these seasons, they're out of our control. Sometimes we go through a season, and it's a season because we made the mess. But there's a lot of seasons that are outside of our control. Even birth and death are outside of our control. And no matter what you do to try to stop death from coming, you cannot get it off of your plate completely because there is a time and a season for that. The time of your birth, you had no control over it. It just came upon you. And so there are seasons like that. Some of these seasons here, they're self-explanatory. I'm not going to go verse by verse and explain them all. But some of them were interesting to me like this a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Is this a hugging church here? Yes, yeah, some of you. Not everybody said yes. Some of you are not into it. But there's some of you that said, yes, this is a hugging church, and there's a time for embracing. You had a little greeting time. We do the same thing in our church. Uh, we uh, really now, I think theologically, we're looking at it as what the Bible talks about, Paul talks about, is the kiss of peace. My wife sent me an article. The kiss of peace is an opportunity for you to say a blessing to somebody else and to greet them in the name of the Lord, and that's what you do here. But some of you, you're not really into the embracing, right? Here we hug in our church a lot too. We're a multi-ethnic church in different parts of the world. They hug and they give kisses, and that took some time to get used to for some people. But you think about that, even hugging is such a deep thing. It's close. In the church, a lot of times, you know, it'll be a side hug, but, you know, some of you are like, no, we're going to hug. We're going to hug it out. You think about hugging, it's relational. Embracing is relational. You can see a person from across the street, think about the progression of it, and you could nod to them, what's up? You know, like that. Even people you don't know, what's up? Like that. But then you get a little bit closer, and now maybe a fist bump. That came about in the 20, uh, 2020 with the pandemic. Fist bumps, right? That's a little bit more. Now you're at least touching. When we were at this wedding, this family wedding we were a part of, there's a little girl, Sayla. She's from England, and I just loved hearing her talk, and I wanted to hear her talk as much as possible. She's like four or five years old, and she's got this beautiful accent. It's so cute. And we were getting ready to leave, and I went like this. I was like, all right. I was going to give her a hug, too. She's one of my friend's daughters. And I went like this. Okay. This great to see you. And then she went like this with her fist. And she said, my mom says, I'm not going to impersonate the accent, but just imagine she says, my mom says it's more hygienic. She's very smart, more hygienic to fist bump. And I, I don't know why I'm like this, but I said, yeah, it is. I said, unless you cough on your hand like this. Like, <laughs> and then she says, who coughs on their hand like that? And I said, that's right. And I gave her a hug, right? Embrace. But this is the thing. It's getting closer and closer. And then we embrace. When you embrace somebody, that is a closeness that you're feeling with somebody else. And the Bible says, sometimes there's a time for not embracing. 
You know, right now, before we hug it out, we're going to need to work it out. <laughs> because this is not a time for embracing. Maybe you're not in the mood for it right now. Maybe there's something going on and it's just not time. And your husband comes home and says, hey, come on. And you're like, no, nah, it's just not that time right now. We need to talk about what's going on because there is a season for it all. Can't you see? It's not abnormal to feel what you feel. God has created you with emotions, and some of these things that he is talking about here are filled with emotion. Life is filled with ups and downs and with seasons of change. I want you to know that God has ordained it all, and he's created us with this in our hearts to be aware and receive seasons of change. Verse 9 says, what gain has the worker from his toil? He keeps going back to this. Chapter 1, he's talking about the worker. Now he's saying, what Gain is there for the worker with all of the work that he has to do. Verse 10, I have seen the business that God has given. God has ordained it for the children of man to be busy with. What with all this toil, God's given the business. He's given us what we're supposed to do. See, there is a season for everything for God, and seasons are ordained by God. Continuing on, verse 11, he says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Say that with me. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Second thought here from the text, seasons are beautiful in God's time. Seasons are beautiful in God's time, even when it's a hard season, a challenging season for the people of God, we know that it will not be like this forever, and one day we are going to get through it, and it is going to be beautiful in its time. Some seasons are really easy to say it's beautiful. On a wedding day, as the bride is walking forward to the groom, I always watch the groom and see what's he, what he's doing. I'm, I'm right there. I got the best view right here. I see it all happening, and I always look at what the groom is doing. A lot of times there's a tear coming down, especially if they haven't had a first look. The first look is right when the door opens and you see them. Everybody says, yeah, that's a beautiful day. We were just at a wedding yesterday. It was beautiful. It's easy to see that's beautiful. The birth of a child may not be so beautiful when there is some complication that comes, but typically when that child comes out, it was meant to be beautiful. You don't need to say, hey, smile. It's a baby I'm putting in your arms because it is beautiful. And we understand that, that is really easy to see. If you've been out of work for a long time and you get the call that you got a job, it is beautiful and it is beautiful right away. You don't need to wonder if it is a beautiful time. See, in its time, though, you need some time to make things beautiful. Maybe you're in a current season of life. Mark was leading and he was talking and I heard some people praying and I heard some people shouting and I uh, bet that some of you who were expressing your thanks to God have been through some seasons of life. And when he makes it beautiful in its time, you look back and you say, thank you for that season that I was in because it made me who I am today. 
I know that some of you are like that. You ever seen these painters that start to paint something? You don't know what it is. You're just looking at it. It's like, this is crazy. What's happening here? And in time, it becomes what it was meant to be. Uh, here's an artist. You're going to see this video. Um, artist named Garibaldi, and he is from California. He's actually a Christian. Most of the time, he's painting pictures of people that are, are popular in the world. And I want you to see what he paints here. Just check it out. When the paint starts to fly, you don't know exactly what's happening. And with every stroke that comes, the picture starts to get clearer and clearer. What seems ugly, what seems without form or purpose is actually taking shape. And that's what's happening in every season of your life. You're like, it just feels like a mess right now. I just feel like a blob of paint. But God is forming. Ephesians says that we are his masterpiece, workmanship. We are created for good works in Jesus Christ. And so there is a painting that is happening, and he is a beautiful artist, and we don't see it, but in time, the season is doing what it was supposed to do. But in the difficult time, it's hard. It's hard to see. It's hard to wait we don't want to be in those seasons. We want to get out of those, but there is grace for you in the midst of the seasonality of your life. Whatever it is that you're facing right now, God is making it beautiful in its time. In its time. The Bible is filled with examples of this. We could be here all day. We're not going to stay here till three or four o'clock. I'm not going to keep going. You know, I got a time. I got a timer here. I want to be mindful. It's Labor Day weekend. You're going to go get some lunch someplace. Listen, but I could go on and on and on. And when I was finished with all the examples from the Bible, I could start to talk to each one of you and you could come up and give testimonies of how I was a mess 
But God made something beautiful in its time. My mind goes to Daniel. There he is in the lion's den. And he's put there because he would not follow this law that would be against what it was for God. But in its time... It was beautiful, and the mouths of those lions stayed shut. I can think about Esther. Esther, she was part of what was going to be a genocide of her people. And she says, and she was told it was for such a time as this. In its time, it is beautiful. You can think about those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there they were again in a furnace put up so hot that it would incinerate them, but there was one who was like God, who was God in the midst of the fire, and it was beautiful in its time. Think about Israel. I'm about to start a preaching series on on Israel and their exodus. It's going to start in a couple weeks, and we're going to be all year thinking about this. But Israel, 400 years of slavery, the people of God, but in its time... Things were made beautiful, and Moses said, let my people go that they may go serve me in its time. But the best example, the only example that really answers all the questions is Jesus. And Jesus was up on a cross after being beaten and stripped and humiliated, and there he was. And how could this be beautiful, the disciples would say. How could this be beautiful, Mary would ask. That's my child. I was there, and he was give, we gave birth. I heard God say that this was an anointed one. How is this beautiful? But the grave couldn't hold him. And in its time, God makes all things beautiful. See, Jesus knew that there were seasons of struggle that needed to be pressed through for the joy that was before him. The Bible says he endured the cross. See, sometimes you got to get through the suffering to get to the other side. But we have a hard time in those difficult seasons. He has made everything beautiful in its time. But what is beautiful? What is beautiful? You've heard this saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You're like, this doesn't feel beautiful to me, but we are God's masterpiece. We are his workmanship. So the one who is the author and authority of what is beautiful is not us. It is God. And God says it is going to be beautiful. You are a work in progress. See, the character of God is love and the character of God is goodness. And he's the one who defines everything for our life. Not everyone believes this, but for those of us that follow Jesus, we should know that there is a season, it's ordained, and it will be beautiful in its time. But sometimes we want to be God. And just like in the garden, we don't want to be like God, we want to be God. And so we take the beauty for ourselves, and we want to be the judges of what's beautiful. And so here's just some thoughts here of how to wait for the beautiful time. How to wait for the beautiful time. If you are in a season, I didn't have to describe what season is. If you are in a season, if it's challenging right now, how do you wait for the beautiful time? First thing is honesty. Honesty. Just be honest. When things are in process towards the beautiful time, just be honest. Be vulnerable. Share what is on your heart 
Just put those verses up again, verses four to seven. Look at the honesty that is poured out here for us. A weeping time, a mourning time, a time where I don't want to embrace, a time to keep silent, be honest with God and with others. See, it's okay to not be okay because God is making it beautiful in its time. You can just say, it's not time yet. God, I don't like what I'm going through right now, but it's just not time yet. Be honest. Honesty. Second, accountability. Accountability with trusted friends because you can dig yourself into a hole, into the pity parties, into the victim mentality, and so you need somebody else who loves the Lord who can talk to you and help you, accountability. When they see you going down that wrong road, they can bring you back. You need accountability. Those of you that are married, you know, Susan is a great accountability. She, listen, she knows. She doesn't let me get away with stuff, and she'll say it. I got good friends that will speak into my life. When difficult times come, you need accountability. Those of you that are not in a community group or small group or life group or whatever you call it here is the same thing. Just get in with some other people who love you. Get in with some other people who will be there, who will speak truth to your life when you are feeling like it's not beautiful right now. When you're tempted to abandon your faith, somebody's going to speak into your life if you are accountable. Honesty, accountability, but then faithfulness. Faithfulness. As you're waiting for the beautiful time to come, you keep on doing what you are called to do. Listen, moms, moms who have the burden of raising these children. I know dads, you're involved in it too, but so often it's the mom who feels it so much more. You moms who are with young children, you keep on doing what you're doing. I know moms who are depressed right now in my church, and yet they have to wake up and make the eggs in the morning. They got to be there in the evening to make sure that everything is taken care of. And sometimes there's a man in the house, sometimes there's not. And so you keep on doing what it is that you are called to do. Keep on showing up here and running the video camera and doing the soundboard and helping with kids as you're waiting for the beautiful time. Be faithful to your word. See, God is going to use those experiences. I know a woman, she's at our church, one of our leaders, Linda, and she was having a very hard season, and she was struggling because a church hurt. Difficult things that happened at our previous church. And she gave a testimony last year in the summer. We had a special service, and we were talking about some ministry that we were involved in in Ethiopia, and she was in Kenya. And she came back, and she said, when she heard this young man worship the Lord who had nothing she said, God healed me. See, it is through the faithfulness, it's continuing to go on, it's going to serve, it's doing what you are called to do, that God will help you to get through to the beautiful time. Honesty, accountability, faithfulness, humility, humility. You don't have all the answers. You need to depend on God. You need to say this is not easy right now. You can have humility and then patience, patience. To get to the beautiful time, it's going to take some time. Followers of Christ are people that endure. That is the story of the Bible. And I know here, I haven't 
sat under John's teaching regularly, but I believe that I know John. And John's not preaching to you that if you just had enough faith, everything would be okay. If, right? He's, he's not preaching that you don't have because you just don't ask and you don't have enough. He's not preaching that stuff that is all over our world today because the Bible says that it is going to be hard. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, patience, patience to endure because it will be hard. You can be assured of this, child of God. When you walked down the aisle, when you got into the baptistry tank, it didn't mean that you wouldn't have to have patience anymore because you need patience to endure. And if you're in a season that doesn't feel beautiful right now, you can wait because God makes all things beautiful in its time. There is a season for everything for God. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Consider this principle from the Word of God. Seasons create wonder about God and about our future. Seasons create wonder about God and the future. When you were created, when you were formed in your mother's womb, God was putting eternity into our hearts. Even the mystery of how this happens and how we can give birth and raise a child, when you look into the eyes of that child, eternity is in the hearts of people right from the beginning. Our original ancestors, Adam and Eve, had eternity in their hearts. And then they chose something different. And as they chose something different, wanting to be God, taking out that fruit, they're left with this hole that they try to fill every day. Eternity is in our hearts. We realize that there's got to be something more than waking up at 6.30 and some of you snoozing till 7. I know. But some of you get right up. Some of you snooze till 8.30. I'm like that. I want to keep snoozing. I like to sleep. But there's got to be more than just waking up and snoozing and getting ready and commuting and going to work and coming home and repeating the cycle over and over. See, Solomon is saying that seems like vanity. And it would be vanity if that's all there is, but seasons were created so that we would understand that God is in it all. See, God has put eternity in our hearts, helps us to answer questions. It helps us to understand God more. Eternity is in our hearts. Two months ago, I met with a man that I hadn't seen in a long time. He goes to another church, but his church wasn't meeting that day, and so he came to our church. His name is Tony. I have permission to tell the story, and Tony came up after the service. He said, I'd like to meet you. I got something I want to talk about. I said, sure. So I gave him my number. He texted me. We had lunch a month ago, and in this meeting, he sat across from me. He said, I was at the height of my career I was a financial planner at a very large bank, 58 years old at the height of it. I had money. I had influence. I had a great opportunity. And he said, in the midst of this, he says, I get cancer. And it's cancer that needs very serious treatment. So I retired, made a difficult decision, and I got through the cancer, and I've been healed. And he said, but this is my question, Pastor. He said, I believe that there is something more for me. And I said, eternity's in your heart, brother. See, God has put that in you so that you would wonder about, is this all it is? 
Is this all that there is for life, that I make a lot of money, that I end up over here, go retire someplace on a beach, or is there something more? And I said, there is something more for you, Tony. And he said, tell me what I should do. And I just gave him examples from my own life about what to do. See, when you are facing death in a season like that, you start to question what is supposed to happen here. What is going on? See, God starts to draw out the wonder in my life. I've said this so many times in my church, even the atheist on his deathbed says, is this all there was? Is this it? I know I said there is no God and there can't be God, but even an atheist on their deathbed wonders, was I right? They're going to put me in a ground and throw some dirt over it and go back to the church and eat some potato salad right now? Is that it? And then they're going to wonder about the inheritance. Is this it? Is this all that life was about because eternity's in our hearts? And God put it there so that we would wonder. You're like, why, why does he just show up right now and stand in front of me? He did that, by the way. He did that. Jesus did. And he did in the Old Testament many times. Why does he just come and show me and stand up? Because even the longing that's in our hearts causes more wonder. See, they didn't even believe when Jesus showed back up. See, everybody wants a sign. But Jesus says, I will give you this sign. I'm going to die and be buried and resurrected. And that there's going to be people who believe because of the disciples. John chapter 17, they're going to believe because of their word. And so wonder is a thing that God wants us to have because eternity is in our hearts. And as we wrestle in this life with every season, God is drawing our hearts to him. He says this, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end, even with eternity in our hearts, we still don't know. We don't understand it all. It makes us wonder. It gives us an excitement to life. You are not puppets. You are created by God in his image, and he wants you to have a sense of wonder. He wants you to be in awe of him. And as we start to try to figure out what this season is all about, even in good seasons of life, you're tilling the soil for when the bad season comes. Don't waste the good season. You may say, I'm in a good season right now. I feel like life for us in general is a good season. We've had some very, very hard seasons. Pastor John helped me through one of the hardest seasons of my life in 2019 when our church was crumbling before our eyes. And John was a good friend. He was a voice that was there to care for me. See, easy street is a path that will lull you into sleep. Easy street often leads to times of unfaithfulness on our part. See, it is in those times, you know, come on, I know, you know what I'm talking about. It's when those times are so easy that you often give up and you start to go after what the world says and wants to do. See, it's a cycle, it's a season. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, remember the Lord, lest you forget, because when you get into that promise land, you'll think, I did this. That's what happens. Easy street will lull you to sleep. See, life, we want it to be, if you ever, anybody been to a water park before? You've been to a water park? A water park is a place where they got waters and slides. If it's an indoor water park, like in the Dells, we've been there before, it's humid, it's nasty, you know, but this is where kids want to go and have fun. And in the water park, there are what's called a lazy river. You ever seen a lazy river, been on a lazy river? A lazy river, you just sit on a little floaty, 
and the, it just leads you around the river. You just keep on going. Some of them even have a little cup holder. If you're in Cancun or someplace fancy, you know, got a cup holder, and they put an umbrella in that, and you're sitting there, and it's just a lazy river, just floating down the river. It's easy. I'm going to take a nap. That's what a lazy river is like. But life is more like whitewater rapids. I've never been on a whitewater rapids. I've seen them, but I've never been. Any ever been to a place where you see the rivers rolling and flowing? Not like the Chicago River. You're like, I've been on the Chicago River. Now I'm talking about some grand rapids. You try to put a drink in that cup holder, and you'd be like, <laughs> it's like that. You're like, this is life. Seasons of life are like that. So we would wonder, so we would question, so we would draw our hearts to God. God has given us seasons of life. And if you're in a season of transition, a season of change, don't minimize the gift that God has given you to seek him. If you want direction in a season of change, here's some things that I told that man, Tony. If you need direction in a season of change, first thing is prayer. Prayer. Just pray. God, be honest. I talked about that before. Pray. Just tell God, I'm in a season right now, and I need some direction. Pray and ask God for wisdom. The word of God. When I was in a season of change in 2006, it was the word of God that brought me out. The very first message I preached to our new church in 2019 was from 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel, I went through it verse by verse. And as I got to 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14, that's when I heard the Lord say, you need to become a pastor. It was through the word of God. The word of God will give you wisdom. It gives you examples. It gives you understanding that life is not always going to be this hard. The word of God. Third, if you're in a season of change, learn about some things that interest you. Listen to some podcasts. Go online. Talk to somebody who's done something else. Explore a different work opportunity. Maybe don't give your resignation yet, but go and talk to somebody who's doing something that you think you want to do. Learn about some things. If you're in a season of change, take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Get out from that boat and put your foot on the water like Peter had to do. Take a step of faith. This is going to be hard. I don't know. All right, I've done my research. I've prayed. I sense you're saying that this is what's next for me, but, you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to keep my foot over here. Take a step of faith. And then finally, accountability. Accountability. You're like, that's lazy, Pastor. You said that in the old list. Yeah, because it's so important accountability. Tell somebody this is a season of change for me, and I want you to pray for me. I want you to uphold me in every season we can have some direction, accountability. I checked in with that man before I preached this message. I preached this message at my church a couple weeks ago, and I checked in with that man, and I said to him, I said, how are things going? He said, things are going good. I got in with a ministry. I'm asking them what I can do. I've been praying. I've been accountable. I got into community group out here. All these things he did, he said, but I'm still fearful that my life is going to die because of the cancer returning. And I said, text him right back. I said, did you get a bad cancer reading? He said, nope. I said, you're going to die. Dot, dot, dot. Someday. We're all going to die. You don't need to fear it. And he said, you're right, pastor. And I said, it's okay, though, you're afraid. Be accountable with some other people and tell them you're afraid. 
pray, get into the Word of God, right? Direction when you are in a season of change. There's a season for everything for God. Verse 12, we're almost done here. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Fourth principle here from the text, in every season, enjoy the gift of God. In every season, enjoy the gift of God. Why are you so stressed all the time? Why? Yeah, I know it's tough. It's hard. You may experience some difficult things, but this, I heard you singing. I heard you praising. I heard you praying. You are alive right now. And when you are out there in the world, I want you to have the same feeling you have right here. You're alive. I want you to all do this right now. All right, just take your hand and put two fingers right here. I'm not, a, I'm not in the medical field at all. I'm a pastor, but I know this is going to work, okay? Go ahead right now and just push hard on your wrist. You feel that? You feel that? That pulse. If you don't feel it right now, go get the defibrillator. Somebody, listen, there is a pulse going through you. Take a breath right now. I want you to do this right now. Take a breath. There is life in you. It is a gift of God. Enjoy this life. Enjoy this life. It is a gift from God. That's what he's saying here. But people, they want to fill that eternity hole and they start to go after the wrong things and they take the eating and drinking and they go to different levels with these things and they become gluttons and they become drunk and they start to add things to their life. They're smoking things and they're taking things and they're looking at things to fill the eternity hole. But God wants it to be filled with him. So enjoy every gift that God has given you. Enjoy this beautiful family of faith that God has put right here in Austin. I'm doing that right now. I've just been enjoying the peace of God. Last night we had some friends over, and I just sit there and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just, gosh, this is good. Just being with friends. It's a peace that comes over you. Life is a gift. In all of it, give glory to God. Finally here. Verse 14 and 15, we're going to end here. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. There is a season for everything for God. Finally, seasons exist for me to fear God. Seasons exist for me to fear God. As you try to make sense of your season and the mystery of God, it is all there so that you would be drawn in worship and fear of God. Fearing God isn't like fearing snakes or fearing a horror movie or fearing the dark. Fearing God is fearing one who you trust absolutely, but you realize is so different than you, and so you bow in worship the sense of wonder, the seasons of life, all of it has been given to us so that we would wonder and then worship. Wonder and worship, we would worship the Lord. That's what fear does. Our response in a season of change is worship. The worship team's gonna come out now. See, some people think that what happens is just by chance, a roll of the dice. Some people will blame the devil for everything and the devil does have some things to blame, but he is not to blame for everything. Some people are going to blame other people all the way. Oh, it's this, it's that, it's them. Man, these things happen so that you would fear God. These things happen so you would worship God. At the 
end here, we see this at the end of the passage. It says this, that which is already has been. So that's what's happened. It's already been. You can't do anything about it. Don't worry about it. That which is to be, already been. Don't worry about it. Nothing you can do. And God seeks what has been driven away. God seeks what has been driven away. As I study, I try to find out what things mean. I didn't understand that sentence. So I looked at commentators and it's just like, even Warren Wearsby didn't have an answer for that. And I was like, well, come on, what's going on? What does this mean? And people were kind of not saying anything about that last phrase. And so I looked up some other examples. I think Susan instructed me, gave me some ideas. And I looked up uh, the NIV says this, whatever is already has been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account or calls back the past. The NLT says this, what is happening now has happened before and what will happen in the future has happened before because God makes the same things happen over and over again. There it is. I understand it. Seasons come back again. You're like, but I don't want that season. But you need that season because you got back to the same old habits, so you're in another season. See, God even calls the past back if we don't learn. There's a season for everything for God. And seasons exist for me to fear God. We're going to close now, and we're going to have just about a minute of prayer time. Here's some prayer prompts going to come up on the screen. We do this in our church where we take some time from time to time to just pray ourselves to God. If you're with somebody that you're really close with, you could pray it with them. Go ahead and grab their hands and you could take turns. And I want you to say this to God. God, I am in a season of blank. It could be joy. It could be disappointment. It could be depression. It could be sadness. It could be loss. God, I am in a season of blank. Be honest with him. And then I will trust you with blank. Go ahead and spend just about a minute or so praying and asking the Lord to bring about this healing. Father, as honesty is being shared with you today, there are things that are being said that are not a surprise to you. Or there's some that are feeling very disappointed and discouraged right now. And it's a season, Lord, but it is going to be beautiful in its time. I pray that you would help them to trust you in the midst of this challenging time. Lord, we're grateful that you are with us and that you make all seasons beautiful in their time. Let's just sing this together as we close. Thank you for listening to Chicago West Sunday Service. Join us next week.